Okay, good. Mose, welcome. It's it's good to to be with you here. Thanks for for being on here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm uh, looking forward to different spaces we explore together today. Same, same. I um, I'm excited to to converse with you about your life and your music. And the idea for this conversation came from the Transcendence Festival that's going to be happening in Playa del Carmen in December. And um, and I'm working with Miguel on that. And you're on the bill for that festival. And we thought it would be an, uh, awesome to have conversations with you and, and other artists who would like to to talk about their art and their music and, and uh, build some excitement for the festival. Cool. Yeah, I'm. I'm already very excited for this festival myself. I, you know, I've seen the lineup, and well, the Yucatan is super beautiful. So, I think it's going to be a super special uh, conjunction, and and uh, yeah, the people coming together. I, I think we're going to create some magic there. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Agreed. I I spent six months living there, and so I'm very connected to the community there. Um, I'm in California now, but um, I've seen this uh, birth from just an idea into a big thing. And there's never been a festival like this in Playa del Carmen. So the people there are very excited. And um, and having you bless this festival is, is a big is a big deal because you have you have a lot of fans in that area. Yeah, well, I've, I've never played in Playa del Carmen, uh, but I have played in Tulum a few times now, and, and every time has been, yeah, really high vibe, uh, good attendance, and generally just uh, super activated. And uh, yeah, I actually went to, I went out and danced in Playa del Carmen like five years ago or something. Okay. Uh, I went with a friend and man, we couldn't find good music anywhere. It was like top 40 dance hits, you know, <laughs> two minute mixes everywhere we went and everyone very drunk and on drugs. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to bring this new paradigm of celebration and dance to to the community there. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, you, the, the area has a lot of tourism and it's right next to Cancun. So you get a lot of that, what you were just saying. Um, but uh, dear friend, Sister Agni uh, started an ecstatic church there a couple years ago. Okay. And people just were so ready for that kind of experience, that kind of medicine, that kind of community. And it's a vi very vibrant community. So when uh, I went there with my partner, Lydia, we were looking for that and we went to ecstatic church and we instantly found a whole community and family there and so a lot of those people will be at the festival and um and there's a lot of people that live there so um so yeah it's gonna be a beautiful thing um i wanted to to let you know a little bit about this podcast is um it's called waves and I, I love to share information about your music, your process and, and your history, but I also like to look underneath the hood to see what it takes for you to make waves and to be Mo's and to, to make the music and share the music and do everything you do, um, everything it takes to to live, you know, the musician lifestyle that you live. Is that all right with you? 
Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay, cool. Well, Mose, um, we met in the Sacred Valley of Peru about five years ago. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. You do? You were, you were kind of uh, trying to bring forward more of an ecstatic movement there, right? For sure. For sure. Yeah. I was hosting an ecstatic dance there once a week for six months. And I met you there. And I believe this was sort of the beginning of when you were really making an effort full on. I think this was around 2017. And you, you led a cacao dance there. Uh, we filmed a music video during one of your cacao dances. And, uh, and uh, it's been awesome to see your consistency, your output the quality of the music go up and up and all the collaborations you've done since then. So it's a real treat for me to be able to catch up with you five years later. Totally. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Like you say, that was kind of like the beginning stages, I would say, of what this movement has become today. I started producing in the end of 2010. So it's been a it was a long process before that as well of kind of finding my sound and finding community and you know connecting with ecstatic dance and figuring out how i perceive that and how i kind of wanted to to bring that forward in a new way and um well my home here in guatemala has been a big part of that as well mm -hmm. and uh really yeah, I, I was touring a little bit um, in those years, but it was pretty sporadic, you know, like an event here and there. Mm -hmm. And since COVID, actually, it's been a complete explosion as far as uh, gig requests and mm. yeah, putting together full tours. And so mm -hmm. it's clear to me that uh, this period of kind of global retreat also it was a, a big opportunity for me and, and for what I'm doing for people to kind of slow down and <laughs> and yeah and connect with with the the slower more spacious approach that I have to dance music mm -hmm. and so yeah since things have opened back up and festivals are happening again and, and events it's it's been pretty full on now I'm, I'm about to start a full US tour in a couple of weeks and it'll be my first time kind of like cruising up going from stop to stop and with a van and with merch and you know really like doing this proper for the first time so oh, God, I'm God. super excited and and actually this tour is is uh very groundbreaking in the sense that uh, we're, we're bringing cacao ceremony to every experience and every uh, container is alcohol free so I think probably outside of ecstatic dance and maybe like kirtan music um, that there's not so many tours happening I mean especially with dance music uh, right. this is sort of the first of its kind and so we're really excited to bring this new vision and this new paradigm to the US where I think uh, people are hungry for something different right 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 right. so how there's a there's a lot of goodness there so you know uh congratulations on creating something like that congratulations on a big tour like this um when you started producing in 2010 uh were you aware of ecstatic dance and and were you producing uh the kind of music you're producing today 
No, totally different. Um, I, I started producing because of my experiences at my first Burning Man in 2010. And that year was dominated by dubstep. So mm. I was really inspired by all of this really crazy sound design. And so yeah. I bought my first controller and downloaded Ableton and started messing around with dubstep. Uh, it was more yeah. chill, like chill and melodic. Yeah. Um, and dubstep is slow. So in a way, it's it's connected to what I'm doing now, but very, very different approach and aesthetic. And um, yeah, I went to my first ecstatic dance in 2012 in Bali when I was traveling in Asia. And mm. um, it was small and the DJ was not a DJ. It was a person just playing music from uh, an iTunes playlist. Yeah. And yeah, it was just coming from these incredible all night deep house parties on the island of Kopanyang. Mm. So I had this, I had this really, for me, I think beautiful juxtaposition or like contrast between these two experiences where in Thailand, it was very well produced, good sound, really good DJs. Container was not necessarily the best. It was like late night, drugs, alcohol, not, not too much alcohol there, but yeah, I mean, I was dancing all night just with coconut water. So I was kind of treating it as an ecstatic dance without right. knowing what ecstatic dance is. Right, right. Um, so then to go from that to Bali and actually have that container um, was super inspiring and, and really opened my eyes to the fact that, wow, like we can gather in a way that resonates more with, with me and, and my, my ideas around dancing and health and alignment and community. Right. And so I, I, but because of the kind of like low quality production, I saw how like we should be able to do something kind of in the middle here where we do have a good sound system. We do have a, a quality DJ and and it's everything is well produced and we have this incredible container where we're not drinking we're not using drugs we're super present with each other respectful connecting and, and really right raise this this collective vibration right 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 beautiful beautiful so it's it's um it came out of your own human need for this kind of container and what you wanted to see and and uh, your life values of, of more of a clean and clear uh, sacred container versus like when you're speaking, I hear like, are we going into a club or into music as a disassociative numbing mechanism right. agent? Or are we trying to expand into more wholeness and, and more unity consciousness in a, in a sober, sober way or, you know, perhaps with some some cacao medicine or, or something like this, but more of a more of a holistic associative approach to the music yeah i think that's one way to say it um you know it's it's hard i i think that the the club it can still be very medicinal you mm -hmm. know it's music is healing regardless of what kind it, it can be medicine for the right person in the right moment and yeah, I think that what we're talking about here is a deeper level of intention or let's say a, a different intention to to yeah, to, to do this in a way where we can really integrate and we can find a, a deeper alignment with nature, you know, as far as our sleep cycles, 
with our bodies as far as really nourishing our bodies and, and being healthy instead of consuming things that you know tax and stress our bodies right and i think the idea is that essentially we can go really deep just as many people i think are looking for a deep meaningful experience in the club it's at this you have to also sacrifice health and sleep and right, right. you know there's other energies present there that aren't necessarily supportive of having a really deep uh, maybe transformational experience right 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 um so it was this along i guess my question for you is from an outside perspective when I describe your music to people, I say, I'm, I'm like, it's kind of like medicine house or like, it's more like journey music. How do you describe the music that you're putting out? I generally like to stay away from too tight of a of an identity to mm -hmm. leave it open for people's own experience. And, you know, I think when we when we contain things with certain words and, and concepts, then it, it can also be limiting to the way that we experience it. Um, so I generally just say it's like organic electronic music with kind of a world fusion vibe. Um, okay, that's cool. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, the house thing, it makes sense, but what I've found is the vast majority of people don't perceive it as being house music. And I think the, the main, maybe the main reason is the tempo, you know, house music is generally in the one twenties, mm -hmm. uh, BPM, uh, which I do make music that fast and my sets get into the one twenties. Yeah. Uh, but even when I'm producing music in the one twenties with that kind of underlying house beat, still there's something different about it and i'm not necessarily so clear on what it is i it's a little bit more round i think like it's not quite as as sharp um and and yeah so it, it's clear to me that people perceive it in many different ways and i actually had an experience at an ecstatic dance where they were like, oh, I love your like juicy, trappy bass music. I was like, whoa, you think that, that I'm playing juicy trap music? Interesting. <laughs> I think they're just perceiving, you know, like that the low end and the, the juiciness of the slow and the space and that for them is what they connected with, right? And then the, the genres are kind of more technical. Right, right. Yeah, well, I mean, there, there's a... Uh there are a lot of elements to your music and and i know that each element you take a lot of um focused attention on each thing like the bass and there is a ton of variety in your music and and uh i do agree that that you don't want to fence yourself in or box yourself in um to to any specific genre because uh you're you're making something new every time you're making something even if there are common elements um so to go back so you you were in thailand and then can you give me like a, a bird's eye view of so then your your music evolved uh based on your experience there or you you started events or, or what what happened after that yeah so I was coming also from four months in India and I was super inspired by the Indian culture and, and music. So mm -hmm. I was currently working on like a seven track 
Indian fusion uh, album, which was many, it was pulling from many different genres. So also very free of, of any type of structure. Um, events in Thailand, that's what really transformed my perception of the steady beat. Uh, prior to that, I was more interested in broken beat music. Mm -hmm. like dubstep and glitch hop and some of the the things that are more popular in the the american um kind of underground festival scene transformational festival scene if you wish right right, right. um and where i grew up in colorado there wasn't a club so i was never involved or i was never exposed to house techno psytrance all the, these genres where it takes this more steady hypnotic approach with the music. Mm -hmm. uh, I always kind of thought it was boring and yeah, I just never connected with it. But in Thailand, uh, I saw how the subtleties and the minimalism of this approach can be extremely hypnotic and, and also has this kind of shamanic vibe as far as, you know, the tradition of just beating a drum or shaking a rattle for a long period of time in a steady manner it's it brings on trance trance um and i think that yeah just through having those deep experiences without any substances and and seeing how the music could take me into a a space where i felt like i was with a substance with a, a plant or with some some medicine of some kind that that alters consciousness but i wasn't Mm -hmm. That's where it unlocked the the magic of the steady beat approach, and that's where I, I really started to shift gears into creating music of, in that form. Um, and then, yeah, it, it started with more you know house influenced stuff in the 120s, and then I started to discover this down tempo scene where it's same kind of beat structure but slower, around like 100 BPM, mm -hmm. and that was super inspiring for me. And I think that's really where I started to drop in deep into what I'm doing now. And this is this also coincided with the first time that I, I DJed an ecstatic dance in Guatemala. Mm -hmm. And rather than kind of following the template that is put out there by the ecstatic dance community of going through a bunch of different genres and you know it being quite dynamic uh i wanted to experiment and i and i decided it would be the perfect container to 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 keep the beat steady the whole time yet also explore a wide range of tempo and a wide range of energies as far as cultures and sounds and, and emotions um right, right. so that was that was where that was birthed uh, i think around 20 i guess that would have been like uh early 2014 okay and and then yeah that kind of set the foundation to just refine and go deeper with this type of production and um taking this approach to dance uh to, to around the world whenever i was invited whether it was an ecstatic dance container or a festival or something else got it got it got it beautiful and that's that's um so I'd like to get into your creative process. So um, I, I know from from uh, posts and things from you that you you tend to every once in a while go into deep solo meditation. Is that correct? Yeah, so I do personal retreats every year. Um, 
I don't know how many retreats it's been, but it's, uh, I would estimate somewhere around like 500 days of personal retreats now over the last 10 years. And um, yeah, I'm in a rhythm now where two months feel is feeling really good. So the last few years I've done two months. COVID I did, I did three months because there wasn't really much else to do anyway. So um, that's epic. That's epic. Yeah. I've never known anyone to to do self retreats for that long. Yeah, I'm, you know, this started with a mystery school that I, I went to in 2011 here in Guatemala called Las Pyramides. So this is sort of where I, I received the, the teachings and kind of the general approach to this type of retreat. And yeah, I work with the teacher, we meet maybe once a week maybe every other week and just kind of tune in around the dreams and and check in to see how how everything's going mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and really the retreats have always been different the structure and the intention and it's an ever-evolving process no are, are you oh uh, as opposed to say like a vipassana where it's like okay this is the approach this is how you do it like boom, 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 10 hours of meditation every day. Don't do this, don't do that. My approach is very much more open and flexible and, and an exploration of what type of container and what type of limitations seem to benefit my process the most. And um, yeah, that, that takes trial and error of like trying different things, maybe being more relaxed in one retreat or for a period of time and then realizing, okay, I need to tighten it up a little bit. So where I've arrived to now is, uh, yeah, about a two month period is, is good. And I'm, I'm not seeing anyone while I'm in retreat and, uh, I'm offline from any kind of, uh, social media emails, that kind of thing. Um, the whole time, except for one day a week, I have an off day to kind of get on, see if there's messages I need to attend to and, and really try and make it as focused as possible. Well, you know, I, I, there's a lot of momentum with my career and everything right now. And I, I feel it would be, it's important for me to nurture that even while I'm in retreat. And in a way, what I've seen is that when I have those six days of going deep inside and then I come outside, um, in a way it's kind of like, you know, you're diving deep underwater and then you come up for a breath of air. Mm -hmm. And then you take that deep breath of air in, you see, you feel the contrast. And then when I go back into the silence, I'm that much more appreciative of it. And, and it's actually nourishing me. It's something that I want yeah, yeah, rather yeah. than something that I'm forcing myself to do. Right. Right. So it's like a, you're, it's a balance of outer and inner. And it sounds like you have enough inner time to go out and be nourished by the going out. It's not just like a drain. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely pretty intense to deal with like a week of WhatsApp messages and emails. It's not, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's nourishing, but it's, oh, okay. I would say like in the big picture view of it, it provides valuable contrast so that when I come back inside, I really appreciate it. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. And when you're in your retreat, 
I mean, you said the structure changes, but are you creating music or writing or, or are you being creative or not? Yeah, that's one aspect of, again, of Vipassana that I, I just don't really connect with. I've only done one, um, but yeah, when, when they asked us not to write or have like any kind of creative expression, I did, yeah, I didn't, I didn't resonate with that approach. Um, and one reason is that when I'm in retreat, I find that the creative energy really starts to build and swell up. Mm -hmm. And when I allow that creative energy to come through me, I feel more aligned. I feel I can actually go deeper in my meditations. I can go deeper in my my feeling of, of connection and my receptivity to a higher power. So that's, again, this is like personal experience and personal ideology, I guess, around this approach. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm definitely creating music in this process, and this most recent retreat actually, um, I I was focused entirely on music. So mm. previous retreats, I've also given a lot of energy to science and some other kind of like mystical concepts, and it's been more intellectual in in that sense, and I've balanced that with the music. Um, but yeah, this last retreat, I wanted to try to see how it would feel if I was just like music the whole time. And, uh, <laughs> it was the easiest retreat I've done. Like I just had fun the whole time. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm asking you this question because, you know, there are like Vipassana is a very controlled thing and I've, I've gone into that world too. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, I can't write like that yeah. is that is medicine for me. So right. I had a feeling that you developed your own thing uh, over the years and um, with your musical output being pretty prolific, I, I assumed that you were you were making music in, in that time. Um, yeah. So uh, Mose, why Guatemala? You've, you've been there for many years now, it sounds. Why, why, yeah. why that land? Yeah, so it was this mystery school that was that was the anchor. Uh, yeah, so when I had that experience there, it, it was deeply transformational for me and oriented me towards the internal world. And I had decided to, I, I was on a backpacking trip. My plan was to go from Belize to Colombia. So mm. my second country was was Guatemala. And, mm. and yeah, I was, I wasn't even that far into the trip, but I was already starting to maybe get tired of or it, it wasn't as special to just like go to another waterfall you know um <laughs> it, it's it's fun but like i don't know the magic was quickly wearing off of just touring around and and checking out beautiful places and when i had this one month long course in guatemala where it was the first time i ever meditated um yeah exposing me to all, all of these metaphysical concepts that i had never been exposed to before i was just yeah i felt at home you know i was i was it opened up this whole other side of life and uh i decided to stick around and there's a really nice library there at the school with a lot of different books around these topics so I had the chance to read and just explore this this material and these ideas in more depth. And uh, I did eventually continue south uh, for Envision Festival in Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. um, it was still not, it was the second one, so it was still quite small. 
And I did, you know, did, toured around. I saw a little bit of El Salvador and Nicaragua as well. And then I came back and did uh, the follow-up course, which is called the Sun Course. And that one's three months long with 40 days of silence. And, this and is then, a, yeah. Las Piramides? Is this the Las same? Piramides, yeah. So it was from there that I really started to connect with the community and started building friendships and... And yeah, the, the following year I went to Asia on this trip I already mentioned. And it was on that trip where I, I also, it, it became more and more clear that Guatemala was something really special and resonant for me. Mm -hmm. So then I came back the following year and just had started developing this rhythm of coming, coming to Guatemala for anywhere from three to maybe like seven, eight months out of the year. Mm -hmm. And at some point, I, I realized like, okay, yeah, this is my base. Uh, I'm here more than anywhere else. And eventually I'd like to buy land. And um, so it was a process of, of realizing it was my home. Um, and uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm still feeling really good. I, I recently moved away from the lake, which is Lake Atitlan, which is where I was for 11 years. And now I'm living in Antigua. Okay. Um, which is just outside of, it's like 45 minutes from Guatemala City. And uh, yeah, so it also feels kind of like a new chapter as I'm exploring this different part of Guatemala, but at the same time, I'm still really feeling at home here. Well, beautiful. I'm glad that you, that you found this place and that this sense of home has been enduring for you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm open too. You know, I'm traveling all over the world. I'm seeing all these incredible places. And you know, the I think it's also in our nature to like have this feeling of like, oh, what's would there be a better place? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm open and open, yeah. uh, I have my partner Bruna. We've been together for three years now and uh she's also curious about other parts of the world, so mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, for now, we're super happy here and and uh, we're also just kind of listening and paying attention to signs that maybe uh, maybe it's it's time for us to get to go somewhere else as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. It's uh, Earth. Anywhere on Earth can be your home, depending on where you are in your journey. Totally. Uh, Mose, you spoke of um, you spoke of a higher power and you've spo you've spoken about, you know, attuning to to different inspirations in the field and things like that. What do you do you have um, a specific relationship to God or to a higher power? And um, I imagine just based on how I receive your music, that there's there's something m magical contained in there, something that you're channeling. Um, like I'm sure egos involved but it very much feels like your output is coming through a clear channel and that there's some kind of relationship with a higher power higher intention going on can you speak a little bit about that it is is that accurate is that not accurate or or, or what what are your philosophies in that arena yeah I think I think that's very perceptive and um for me, this is the intention. The intention is to open the channel and allow whatever wants to come through in the most pure way possible. Well, while coloring it with my own 
desires and my own interests and what I what excites me as an individual. Right, right. Um, but yeah, really, uh, my my recognition is is of the unity of, of all things. This is kind of like the deep foundation that my spiritual life rests on. And I feel that my role here is to awaken the perception of that unity. Uh, so when I'm in my own creative process, that's that's my intention to do it for myself, you know, to feel that connection and, and kind of get lost in the music and and really feel let go of this individuality and, and feel the oneness. And what I perceive is that if I'm able to do that for myself in my own creative process, then it's available to others as well when I share that. And the live set is is very much rooted in this intention. So, you know, the, the large majority of sets that I play are, are these live sets where it's all improvised. I'm, I have a bank of loops that kind of, you know, they they were the loops that I created when I when I made the song or when the song was made through me to be more <laughs> yes. accurate. Yes. Um, when that when that track was created, I have all of these loops, and so when I do the live set, I'm playing with all of the elements of these produced tracks that I've released, many that I have not yet released but will eventually. Um, and that opens up also a lot more space for spirit to come through uh, in the moment, for, for things to be more alive and flowing and free mm -hmm. instead of uh, kind of limited to the structure of a previously produced track, mm -hmm. um, which there's also nothing wrong with that. It's I just recognized for me, I, I get higher I, I feel more connected when i kind of open up that space for the unexpected and for something else to come through in that moment and that also involves collaborating you know having people sing with me play instruments and and all of it being totally improvised as well like no rehearsal just showing up being present and listening really like listening to each other listening to the people and ultimately listening to what wants to to come through in that moment beautiful beautiful it's like a, a fertile chaos that you can ride and uh totally. stream of consciousness yeah I, I agree you can feel that 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 freshness of that particular moment because you it's it's a it makes the experience very unique and and uh um i guess if you don't have like a train wreck or something um in terms of that that chaos going away you weren't intending to um it makes it for a very unique moment in in time and in and in existence um yeah and even if there is a train wreck there's always after the train wreck <laughs> you know like you can always pick up the pieces and just keep going so yeah i have had instances where it's not really working and it's not flowing and it's like dissonant and but that doesn't last forever you know there's there's always uh the next phase and i think that in a way this can also really be really deep medicine for me for my collaborators and for the people to see like wow okay like 
he and they are willing to take this risk and to like to to let things get really ugly and chaotic in order to discover the beauty maybe in the darkness the light in the darkness yeah beautiful beautiful um i once heard of a one of the original skaters of dogtown and the zephyr boys the, all the group agreed that one of their favorite skaters was this guy who would try all these new things, Jay Adams, he would try all these new things and he would get in several train wrecks during his skating performance, but he would then make something super beautiful out of that train wreck and then elevate it even more because people are celebrating him because he took these risks and he flowed with it so gracefully that even the train wreck became the beauty, you know? Yeah, yeah, and creating contrast and and yeah, just like showing that vulnerability and and really I think in a way it comes down to pride. And this is a, a topic I've been discussing a lot recently with friends around how pride is one of these really like fundamental vices in a lot of ways where we, we if we're prideful of ourselves as individuals, mm. it's more difficult for us to be a humble servant. Mm. And this guy, Jay Adams, it, it sounds like he he didn't have a lot of pride, actually. He was just exploring and having fun and trying new things. And he wasn't worried about like, oh, if I mess this up, like people aren't going to like me, you know? Pride, the pride. Yeah, it, it makes it harder to be in a free flowing expression if you're stuck in your head worried about that. Yeah. Uh, well, that's that's beautiful, most because like a lot of people do, uh, you know, they have their studio version of a track and they play that and then they play that. Um, it's it's uh, it, it, you the way you're doing it brings an excitingness because of what we've been saying of of the spontaneity of the moment and and i noticed that you you're really generous with you, the, the stage and your time with other artists coming in and giving them permission to do whatever works for them in conjunction with the the co-creativity i know that like uh, typically uh, i think during your sets you invite other artists to join you if, if they're around or or how does that work yeah generally i only do the live sets if i have someone to collaborate with it's not that much fun to do by myself i would if i'm just going to be by myself I'd, I'd have more fun doing a dj set um so so yeah i'm almost always collaborating with people even when i do dj sets i generally collaborate with people as well Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, this Transcendence Festival in Playa is, I'm also super excited for this particular event because both Sam Garrett and Hanax Pacha are going to be there. And they're, they're two of my favorite collaborators that I've, that I've ever done sets with. And we've never done a set together. Like I've never been at the same place at the same time with both of them. Oh. So... Yeah, so I'm super excited to see how how that comes together. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, there's there's a lot of beautiful folks there, and I was talking to Miguel um, and Sylvia about, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about transcendence, and one of the things that he says is special about transcendence is that everyone that he's asked to work with and that will be there, whether it's artists, facilitators, et cetera, he has himself had special 
personal moments with each one of these artists, nice. human design facilitators. And that's how he put these people together. And so for him, there's a deeply personal human touch to this, this uh, organic unfolding of the, uh, the, uh, the bill. And uh, mm, so hearing, cool. hearing what you just said is, is even more exciting because it's something for you, like a gift for you in, in, so to speak, that you're giving yourself by being at this place with these, with these other musicians. Yeah, um, totally. Mose, I have a question. So, um, you, you have a reputation that precedes you. And when Mose is on the bill or he's going to do the ecstatic dance, the expectations are really high because you're globally known. And, and I would say you're at the top of, of your game in terms of what you're what you're gifting the world. Um, does do you, does that create a lot of fear or anxiety for you um, before an event thinking, oh, there, the expectations really high in, in terms of me delivering a potent medicine or a very memorable experience what is the process like there uh it's kind of funny you say that because i i don't even think about it like that <laughs> you know i like uh, i i can't say that when i yeah when i come to these events i don't even it doesn't even cross my mind of like oh these people are expecting something super special it's it's more just like all right well i've been invited here for a reason and i'm gonna do what i love with other people that love to do this and <laughs> and it's always unique so i don't know i don't really know what it's gonna be like i know it's not gonna be like anything that i've done before um in many ways and then in, in some ways of course it's all similar in, in some way so yeah i don't I, I really, I guess, am not, I don't set any expectation for myself. Maybe other people have expectations, um, but I don't, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's really an openness and I'm, I'm there to be of service. So, um, it, it's kind of also just like trusting that I'm in the right place at the right time and whatever needs to happen will happen. And I do my best to, to be of service of, of that. Beautiful. I did not expect that answer. And that's that's a beautiful thing. Um, that's a beautiful thing. There's a there's a beautiful confidence and trust inherent in what you just shared. And and honestly, I'm happy for you because I would expect that in, if I were in your shoes, that it'd be like, it must be this thing. Mm. Also, the reason I say that is because so um, your sets, it's like when you show up, and you're going to share your music and do your thing there is this special quality in the air that you generate a very lovely cohesive field and container for dancers and listeners to find themselves in are you aware of that yeah totally because i'm in it too <laughs> i mean it feels super special and magical and and yeah like a portal is opening up and um of course like you know there's there's a range of how deep it goes or like the the nature of that energy um but i really appreciate the way that you've described it because yeah i, I it's it's accurate also to how i perceive these experiences and and also how i intend 
to hold that container, you know, to feel really safe and held so you can let go and flow with what's happening and and hopefully, you know, tune in and connect with something about yourself that is healing. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, so right now in your career, um, could you, are, are you satisfied with where you're at or what are some, some current goals that you have that you would like to grow? I mean, you have this, this spring tour coming up with, which is something new for you, but, uh, are, are you satisfied with where you are and what, what would you like to see more of in your life? Yeah. I, I talked about this recently with my partner about how I don't have specific goals as far as how many like people are at the event or how much money I'm making or how many listeners I have on Spotify or any of these metrics that we use to measure. I, I pay attention, of course, and I'm aware that things are expanding and, and growing and, and that's nice. And where I've, where I've arrived, I feel like I've arrived in many ways and I could just do this for years and, and be happy. I think like, I, I don't know, I can't predict the future, but I feel so happy with how things are right now that I don't have this feeling that like, oh, I wish it were like a little bit more like this or a little bigger or, or that or whatever. Like it's, it's so special and magical now that I'm really just absorbing that and, and feeling grateful for that and and trusting again that if it needs to be something else, it, it will happen without me pushing it. It seems to fall in alignment with your overall life philosophy of, of trust, of being clear and available for the higher power to flow through you and to just let your life unfold as it will you doing your part and putting your style and your preferences in but it seems like you, your overall life philosophy impacts your living situation impacts your music impacts the gigs you say yes to um do do um well congrats on that most because <laughs> you're, you're living the dream in many ways you know that's i yeah. think that's my dream to just feel at home wherever I am, trust my natural desires and excitements and go with the flow and then have the reflection of, of the world say, thank you for your service. We value it and it makes a difference in our lives. Did 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 you think that your life was going to go like this? Like, was it a like I'm going to manifest this and believe in this till it happens or how how has that unfolded? Yeah, I would say the last clear goal I had was to be able to live off of doing music. You know, like I wanted to be able to support myself with just music and not have to do any kind of other activity to make money. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I accomplished that a few years ago and that was like, okay, like I, I made it, you know, I'm I successful. Forgot. And that's just like covering minimum bills, you know, maybe maybe like $1,500 a month because of lower rent and lower cost of living here in Guatemala. Like, all right, I, I can be super, you know, solid with that amount of money. So it didn't take much. And then when I arrived there and I was, I was doing that with music. Yeah. From there, it's like everything else has just been like bonus. Bonus. 
bonus beautiful beautiful um so i'm looking here um can um can you tell me a little bit about where how resueño was birthed and and what your intentions are there yeah so resueño is my label um which is now i have a partner as well sariel arenda who's one of the label artists so it's it's our label together mm -hmm. and yeah i founded that really with the idea of creating community um of bringing people together who are resonating with a similar frequency as far as how they're creating music how they're channeling their their unique sound and just creating a home for that and as i begin to grow and have more and more of a voice more exposure mm -hmm. it also became a way for me to lift up people around me whose music i really resonated with and i really you know inspired me to give them an audience to give them uh you know listeners that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise and and I see it as a two-way street because it's also like the listeners, if they really like what I'm doing and I really like this music, the majority of them are probably gonna also really like this music. Right. So it's just becomes like this focal point to bring together creators and listeners that essentially support each other, you know, whether, whether it's a musician supporting a listener by you know, opening up the space for healing or, or connection or, it's a listener supporting a musician by streaming their music and, you know, uh, giving them a, a few fractions of a cent that add up to something that maybe the artists can, can eventually live off of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just kind of a random question. Can you speak a little bit about sacred economy and how does capitalism and economy and the, 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 your offering have you been able to fi find any uh have you been able to relate to capitalism and, and money with what you're doing in a in a good sacred way yeah i've had an interesting journey with that um i actually i had a very deep ayahuasca journey about a year ago where i came out of it basically ready to just uh work by donation, you know, do do my events by donation, just have the the event promoters cover my basic expenses and then from there leave it up to them to pay me what they what they felt. Um and I quickly realized through talking with peers and with my my manager and other agents of like, yeah, I mean you could do this, but ultimately money is is energy you know and if you if you give yourself up like that you you're probably going to find yourself in situations where you're not actually valued and you know it, it ends up being a filter for quality experiences um you know if, if people can't afford the amount that i would make by doing something myself say in a particular location then it means that maybe the energy is not there yet for me to go. It doesn't mean that it won't, it will, will never be there, but maybe in this moment, because the budget's not there, that the energy of the community is also not there. So yeah, I, I realized that, I realized that uh, 
that it, it helps to bring things into deeper alignment by by being more clear with financial agreements. Um, it, it makes things feel like there's this structure or this container for the musical aspect, which is more fluid and flowing and trusting to come through in a way that's supported. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I've found my balance with that. I do a lot of uh, co-productions as well with the people that have uh, the ability and maybe like the, the right setup to do like a split rather than, okay, this is what you have to pay me and otherwise I'm not going. Right. Um, in certain instances, it works really well actually like, all right, well, if it's a lot of people, we both benefit. If it's not a lot of people, we both are going to have a loss or whatever. Right. Um, but to make it this, this more collaborative approach. And sometimes it's a hybrid, you know, where there's a minimum so that I can ensure at least that it's worth my time going uh, to cover my flights and just like the energy of not being at home um, and, and some of the other expenses that come with just being a, a touring musician. To be able to cover at least that and uh and then on top of that if the numbers are higher then there's there's more coming to both of us to both parties right right and and then yeah the label has also been a, a vehicle for me to make donations so as the label is growing the the income of course is growing as well and um i'm now uh setting aside 22 percent of all profits from a label to support different causes. Uh, it's mostly been causes around Lake Atitlan in Guatemala, but I've started to also branch out to Brazil. I was just in Brazil and, and we, we uh, sent some money down there for some projects. Um, the Syria-Turkey earthquake was, was supported from the label. And Beautiful. so this is also, for me, it, it feels really really positive in that it's also kind of feeding this energy of trusting that I have enough and that I will have enough and that I don't need to hold on to everything that comes in but like I can allow some of that to flow through me to others who really do need it yeah 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 it's it's sometimes I think we get caught up in this idea that it's like we have to get all the this like a squirrel gathering all the nuts and kind of hoarding them but some some people that I've met and know that have more wealth coming through, they're like, yeah, you know, a million dollars comes in, but it goes right out and then it comes back in. And so it's more of this trusting relationship with energy uh, or, or money. You know, it's just another yeah. word of saying that. Well, that's good. So that's I mean, that, that can be challenging sometimes, you know, for for, you know, there's like the starving artist archetype mm -hmm. and um i think what you were pointing to earlier is like if you do things just by donation even though that can be coming from a noble heart that can also cause a lot of breakdowns and and um and uh, lack such that the artist can't relax into what they're doing because they're worried about the bills you know yeah so, exactly so it sounds great to shift gears for a second, Mose, and um, 
do we have another 15 minutes or we, you know, I had told Adan an hour, an hour and a half. I just want to respect your time. Do you have yeah, I think we could do 15 more minutes. That sounds good. Hey, perfect. We'll start to land it. Um, so I have a, a, a little story which will lead into a question, which is, I'm not sure why I was so touched by this, but I never forgot this. So when I met you in Peru, um, uh, you did a cacao dance and um, and you did some other, you know, you shared music at other places. And I remember at one point, do you remember Nidra Wasi? Uh, was it, that the, the location? The little retreat center in Pisac where you did the cacao dance? Yeah, uh-huh. That place is called Nidrawasi. Um, it's transformed into a new place now, and Daya, who ran that, now runs another place in Bisak. But I remember, I think we were at a bonfire one night, and um, someone was singing. Uh, um, I haven't. Her name is Suyana. Uh, Suyana, yeah. And I remember overhearing a conversation and be like, oh, it would be cool to like record your vocals and, you know, work on a song together. And then the very next day I was at Nidrawasi and I saw you and Suyana going into, I think the yoga room or one of the the, the rooms there to record her vocals. And it, you guys were in there for like half an hour or something like that. She came out and then sometime later, I, I heard that song uh, come out and I was just, so touched by the spontaneity of it, by your openness, um, by being able to record something really beautiful in an untreated room and have it sound so glorious and that you would just kind of go with that spontaneous inspiration. So I just wanted to share that with you because that's always, mm. I always think of that when I'm thinking of uh, when I work with other artists and producers to just keep that kind of openness and, oh, this person's in front of me. They like to sing. Let's try something. And then the follow through of the song being released and all the things. So um, I just wanted to share that special moment with you. That's mm. given me a lot of inspiration, which leads into my question of do you, you collaborate all over town and, and with a lot of people. How does how do you choose? who to collaborate with or, or how does that come together? Uh, I just work with musicians that I vibe with, you know, it's super simple. And um, in the beginning, I didn't have, I didn't have so many choices. So whenever I had an opportunity, you know, if I heard someone saying that I really liked what they were doing then okay, let's do something. And in this case with Suyana, I actually, someone else actually sang Raise Your Voice, her song, um, in Guatemala at an, an event that I was at. And I went to that woman and was like, wow, what, what is that? Like, I would love to record that with you. And mm. she was like, oh, it's not actually my song. It's this other woman. And soon after that, I went to Peru and my friend Pavan from the, the Hanuman Project, he knew Suyana and knew that she was there and mm. told me and was like, oh, I can connect you guys. And so, yeah, then, then we met at that bonfire and I heard her singing in person. And and then, yeah, it was just, I, I think we tried to record at the yoga studio. I don't I don't remember it working out. We ended up doing it just like in her bedroom, oh. which was 
also just you know it's like a super humble wood peruvian <laughs> yeah. home yeah absolutely definitely no sound treatment windows all over <laughs> the place i had a, a shitty mic that i was traveling with you know like 150 dollars microphone yeah and uh yeah we just set it up and got into the vibe and it, yeah those those songs have millions of plays now like it's uh it's been super successful and people love that stuff and and yeah i didn't have good equipment we we just felt it and felt the connection and, and she also trusted me you know because that needs to be a two-way street with the trust like trusting me to take her her sacred vibrations and, and do something with it that she resonates with and um and yeah i never i never would have guessed that it would become as popular as it has yeah um and uh and yeah i i really have always approached things in that way of just like wow i really connect with what you're doing can i do a remix do you want to do a collaboration um sometimes i meet these people in person at festivals or events sometimes that i just hear it on spotify and i reach out sometimes they reach out to me and i'm i hear what they're doing and, and really connect with it um and now that's you know i have more of a following and people know who i am it's also it's really opened up the opportunity to to work with almost anyone that i that i want yeah and that's super fun um super it can fun. also be a little bit overwhelming you know i have like probably 15 pending projects all things that i want to do <laughs> but i can't do it all you know and so it, it can also be hard like having to tell people no like you know i really like what you're doing but i have so much right now and i need to finish what i what i'm doing right now and you know i it's this balance of committing and and following through but also like listening to my heart and so even when i commit to someone i always say okay i have a lot of things I work on whatever I'm most excited about. That might be your thing, it might not be. So <laughs> don't have any ideas of like, it's going to be done in a few months. It, it might not be done for two years. Right. It might never get done if right. I can't find my way with it. Because right. it's really important to me to honor that excitement and that, that connection that, that just arises naturally. And it's not a decision, it's just there. Beautiful, beautiful. And so sometimes you might be hearing, you know, something on Spotify and you're like, who is this artist? And then you might reach out to them as well or an in-person situation, maybe, you know, at a the Eagle's Nest or somewhere you meet somebody and then you just go with your highest excitement and inspiration there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Beautiful. Um, so any advice you would give you know, one of the things is you follow through, you start a track, you start an idea and you follow through. What advice would you give to artists who um, are having a difficulty putting their music out there or completing it or getting lost in perfectionism? I think we could bring that back to pride. You know, mm -hmm. like the, the perfectionism is like, I, I think ultimately it's the sense of, I want to make sure that I'm perceived in a positive way. So I need to continue to refine. I need to make sure this is in the right place, that, blah, blah, blah. My way of knowing when I'm done with the track is I listen to it 
and I like it. It makes me feel something positive. And if it makes me feel something positive, then it's done. Of course, like there's always refinement as far as the mix and maybe little details here and there. Um, I just don't, I've never been one to get too caught up in those details. And for sure that can result in releases happening where there can be a few little things off here and there. Uh, but I, I, I would prefer that approach than one where something sits on my computer for two years and by the time I do feel like it's perfect, I don't even connect with the song so much anymore. Like it's not alive. I'm not excited about it anymore because I've listened to it a million times and really like the process happened two years ago. Right. So there's also this feeling that, uh, yeah, like, like I've talked with other producers about um, retro retrospectively listening to mixes and being like, oh man, I can't believe I mixed it like that, you know, like I, I, I could mix it so much better now. Yeah. And my way of perceiving these things is like, oh, well, it's just, it's like a, an energetic signature of a particular moment. Right. And it's a representation of where I was three years ago. Right. And just let go, like work on whatever you're doing now and and just be glad that you can make it better <laughs> yeah, yeah right just use that thought on a new song yeah exactly cool and cool. most people don't care about that stuff anyways i mean you know like we're talking about with the the suyana tracks the the mixing isn't perfect but that people don't care like it's the energy of it that's what people are ultimately connecting with and yeah maybe you have like two percent of listeners who have super high quality sound and a, and a sensitive ear who are like oh i don't really like it because of that right but like all right well i'm going to sacrifice that two percent and honor that that 98 percent to just connect with the vibe and they're the ones who are ultimately supporting me that two percent or one percent or point one percent isn't going to make any difference at the end of the day yeah yeah that's good i mean you you hear like music from the 80s and you're like, really? This sounds like it was a drum kit that was already that came with the keyboard, and yeah, yeah right. Some, some old like Whitney Houston or something. You're just like, it sounds so basic, but uh -huh. that just proves your point that it doesn't. It's the feeling, the energy, the excitement, and there's probably something to be said about if the person is excited about the song that they're putting out, you'll probably feel that in the song as well. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think that so Sam Garrett is actually one of my favorite examples of just this kind of like humble offering and and just letting letting the energy flow because quite a few of his top tracks on Spotify are live recordings. They're not studio produced. Right. And one of his top tracks for years was this Higher Than the Mountains, which was literally just like his friend with one microphone for both, like one crappy microphone for both <laughs> his guitar and voice at the same time. And then just like uploading it. And that got millions of plays. Oh, it's really? One of his, really? still one of his top tracks. If you listen to it, like the sound quality is, is horrible. <laughs> but the vibe, like it, the vibe was there. He just had this feeling like I need to get this out to people and people received it and connected with it. And and I feel like he still, even though he now has a lot of momentum and a lot of people listening to what he's doing, mm -hmm. he still 
flows with that and and i think you know i see it with his reels on on instagram because he'll he'll just set his phone up you know facing him and play a song with recording it to his phone and post it and it's like people love it and i love it too and you can see like he's just sharing something that he loves to do super simple and humble and and i think that in a way people will feel closer to him and closer to the essence of what he's landing. And sometimes that is more important. Many times I think that is more important than the quality of the sound or like the professionalism of the production or some of these other things that I think we can get so caught up with when we start like a, a more professional recording or production approach. Yeah, and sometimes that that thing can get lost in the, yeah. in the versions, you know. Yeah, uh, because it's so polished that you you might be sacrificing some of the, that more raw thing. Um, I don't think it's necessarily true, but sometimes you hear a demo version of something that you feel it more than the studio version. Yeah, totally. And. So, Mose, I wanted to name some of the artists that are going to be at Transcendence, and then I'd love to invite you to to share some names of of um, of artists that are inspiring you that you love. So, for Transcendence, we have Sam Garrett, like you mentioned, yourself, uh, Yonix Pacha, Anax. Oh, it's Anax. Hanax, like an H at the beginning. Oh, I see, I see. Hanax Pacha. Anax. Yeah. And we have Aguacate, Mushina, Magesis, Rebellion, Mapana, Compass, myself, Symphony, Sevenland, Gustavito, Yakuna, Tatawati, um, and and more. Um, I'm excited to to dive into some of these artists a little bit more um, and see what comes together um, in in December. Um, what are some of your inspirations? Um, yeah, it's it's always shifting, but I would say some of my favorites right now are... So I, I did some events in Brazil with this guy, Advan Hashi. He's... Uh, yeah, I really like his, his kind of... You, you could say like medicine music type. Uh, approach. There's something really jungly and, and deep about what he's bringing, and I love collaborating with him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just thinking about Rye X this morning. I love, I love his music. Uh, Rye X. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely touching more of a mainstream vibe, and I think underlying there's something really, yeah, really potent. I love the minimal approach also that he has and he's actually someone that i would love to collaborate with at some point um and then um who else man i I mean there's so many artists that i i kind of like dabble into oh my friend ayaka He's a, a producer who's not very yeah. well known. He's someone that uh, yeah, he, I, I really love his productions. He's South Carolina, or I, yeah, I saw- yeah. He spent a lot of time in Asheville and also in, in Guatemala as well. He's been spending a lot of time here the last couple of years. Yeah, he has. I think he has a, a, a label too, right? 
Yeah, Aquatic Collective. He doesn't run it anymore, but okay. he built yeah quite a successful label around the psychedelic bass music scene, and right. he's really uh, been transformed and, and uh, inspired by the this down tempo, more like organic, steady beats vibe. And I love how he's bringing the, the bass music influence into what he's doing now with, with that approach. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that sort of ties a full circle there where you said you started with some dubstep. You said sometimes yeah. people say that there's like, oh, I love your trappy bass music. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, Mose, uh, it was an incredible honor and joy to, to chat with you. And I appreciate you letting us you know look under the hood of what it takes to make to to be mo's to make waves as mo's and and um and something i'm particularly grateful for is that it, you seem to bring a wholeness and um a cohesiveness to everything you do in your life and uh, rather than, you know, compartmentalize this and that and, you know, business over here, music over here, hobby over here, you know, it's, it seems you offer me, you offer the listener, um, a sort of like really healthy life philosophy for, for unity and for wholeness. And so thank you for, for blessing us with the, your music that accomplishes that, but also with your story. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me for the the depth of the questions and the inquiry and curiosity and uh yeah i'm i'm uh, super excited for transcendence in december in mexico same same it's already begun now we're just gonna remember it totally we're on our way we're on our way and and uh mo's where so i'll in the description i'll include some links you know mo, like mo said he's gonna be traveling the u.s and there's a lot of dates i saw there um, on your website and on Spotify. Um, is there anything in particular you would like to um, direct people's attention towards? I know you have a Patreon as well, um, and there's some juicy perks there. Yeah, I, I so my Patreon, I post a bunch of unreleased mixes. Um, I also actually just released a, a music production masterclass. So if you're interested in learning more about how I produce and the philosophy and right down to the, the details, uh, that course is now available. Um, I'm also going to be launching a tour in Europe soon. I already have a bunch of dates confirmed there for like July, August, September. So that's going to be a really great summer in Europe. And uh, yeah, otherwise, always more releases coming. I have a new one coming with Sam on Cinco de Mayo. Uh, which is also a full moon. So keep your eye out for that. And uh, yeah, otherwise, thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting me. And uh, hopefully we catch each other on the dance floor soon. All right, cool. Well, th thank you, Mose. Thanks again. And uh, have a good rest of the evening in, in Guatemala. I hope your new home situation goes well. And May the future continue to to bring blessings to you and your partner and fam and tribe and the whole earth community. Cool. Thanks so much, Blow. Yeah. Much love, brother. Much love. All right. Ciao. Ciao.